This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I want to welcome you once again to the Warning Radio program. I have with me Apostle Don Beasley, Turning Point City Church, Dixon, Illinois. Uh, welcome back, Don. Good morning. How are you doing, sir? Well, I'm doing okay. It's been a tough week, very frankly, but uh, we must move on. You and I know what it is, uh, the struggles of a, of a pastor. Yep. It's a, it's a tough job, you know, and few and, few, few and fewer people are actually doing it. Yeah. Yeah. There are uh, a lot of pastors. I, I've quoted this figure many times. And we're talking about even ministers, clergy that have gone through uh, uh, seven years of seminary. Uh, you know, that's after po- that's after uh, your initial BA. But uh, they say within ten years, ninety percent are out of the ministry because they're just they're tired of the nonsense. They're tired of the betrayals, the lies. They're just tired of people. Uh, one pastor said, "You know, I'd love my I'd love my church if it wasn't for the people." Now, yeah. Now you, I mean, obviously you've got to just really have the heart of Christ to continue to uh, uh, overlook sin and betrayal and lies, and uh, especially when you do so much for some people, and and sometimes they're the very ones that betray you. But uh, I guess you have to have have that type of a love of Jesus or the love of a parent that uh, loves their child, even if they go to prison. Done. Yeah, it's a really, it, it, you know, it's it can't be a job. It has to be a calling. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and at the end, when I get all frustrated, the Lord has to remind me, who are you working for? And he reminds me, you're working for me. You're not working for them. Well, that's and, it. And so if you can't, if you lose the ability to be able to get your attaboys from the God, then <laughs> uh, it's just starting to get. You know, it makes it very, very difficult. Yeah, if you can't get your attaboys from God, then, <laughs> frankly, you get out of the ministry, and that's where 90% go in 10 years. Right. It's, well, because it's just a, for the most part, I mean, I mean, you said, you go back, I remember one time I was really praying about it, and the Lord spoke to me, and I, I was saying, you know, I'm, you know, we always ask God, we pray and ask God questions about our life like he doesn't see it, you know? Like he said, don't you see what I'm going through? Uh, betrayal, you know, this had the Lord said, if you'll, if you'll learn from me, I know a little bit about betrayal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know a little bit about my disciples that were whining and complaining and bellyaching (laughs) and talking about me uh, when I was trying to sleep in the boat. huh? 
<laughs> yeah, I, said, I know a little bit about betrayal. I can teach you a thing or two about betrayal. Yeah. And, you know, all of a sudden your whining has to cease and it's, you don't like it, you know. You yeah. Just, it messes with you, you know, whatever. But he walks you through it. I mean, you know, he says, I'm trying to get you ready for something. And this is part of the training. And if I don't get you through this, I, you're not, you won't be ready for what's coming. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, I mean, I think that, you know, we want to have the, you know, this job where, you know, you get accolades and whatever. But, I mean, the when you realize when you're a pastor, you're, you know, a, when you're called by God, he calls you to be a, to be a catalyst cultural changer and um, that you're in. And so, but the problem is too many of the time we're in a culture and we, we're so ingrained into the culture that, you know, it's got, you got to have, every time you turn around, it's almost like you got to have a Damascus road experience where God helps you understand that where you really are, you're actually opposing him rather than working with him. Yes. And so we have to really understand how do we work with him. And, you know, we all think we know how to do it, and we really don't. And he has to teach us how to do it. And his ways are not our ways for sure. And uh, so the biggest fight, I mean, with all that goes on, the biggest fight I have is usually with myself, with my own thoughts and my own opinions and whatever. And, And when I get past myself, where I can adopt what God is saying to me. It makes it much more easy. But I mean, that, that that's when I say calling. That means that I get my directions from him. And his ways will always work. And our ways will work some of the time. And uh, and only to a certain point. Yeah, well, that's, that's good. Now, we um, talked last week on the LGBTQ uh, plus or taking over school libraries, et cetera. And um, uh, let's let's just continue a little bit on that vein. I know that uh, uh, you you had some thoughts that we didn't have time to cover. Um, go ahead now, Don. Yeah, just you know, um, when we're looking at this, you know, LBGTQ, you know, I think that what I find kind of humorous about the whole thing, if there, if you if you can find any humor in it, is that now you know the Gay, you talk. You talk about the gay community. They're not dropping the the uh, you say LBGT. They're dro- dropping the Q plus plus plus. Some of these groups are because they realize that how nonsensical this stuff is becoming, and they're driving all this nonsense of transgender, trans transgender, and body deformation and harming you know just absolutely destroying young boys and girls lives forever where they'll never be able to reproduce or whatever with this what they're doing and they're doing at a younger enough they want to start teaching our children in kindergarten about their about their sexuality you know what they are they have no idea you know and, and then they want to put them on these charts to do all this stuff so i find that that's beginning to happen everywhere but the, you know when we really think about today it's almost like you know if you uh when I, when I really think about it and what's going on, you know, you can go to Romans 1 and look at that stuff there, and, and that does work. But what I, I go is to to any nation that's found that says, blessed is the, the nation whose God is the Lord. And God is told, when you, when you make covenant with God, it's a very serious thing. 
And in Deuteronomy, when Israel makes this covenant with God, and our country is based off of this very same covenantal concept, God told them there, he said, you get curses for disobedience and blessings for obedience. And then I broke these curses down into five categories. Because so, most of the time, we, we've been in this, we can't understand what's going on because we, it's happening and then this stuff happens and we can't figure out where it came from. So like here it says, God says the very first thing will happen is you'll have madness of mind or confusion of thinking. When you get under the curse, you can no longer think wisely. You begin to think with madness in your mind and confused, and it doesn't make any sense. And then, you know, and the second one is you get all kinds of sickness and disease that is in the culture around you or in your culture. You, it starts coming upon you as well. And those sicknesses and diseases would be all of the physical and the mental physical diseases uh, uh, that are on the culture. And then the destruction of the family, the complete tearing apart of the family unit. And the fourth one is economical disaster. Starts off with pressure and then economical disaster. And number five is God said, I'll turn my face away from you. I'll give you over to yourselves in that whole thing. And so when we look at where we are right now, I mean, when I talk to people, they, they, they're like, what's going on? Because they see the confusion of thinking. They see that part. And they understand what kind of madness is making these kind of decisions that are going on. And the only answer to that is that people are demon-possessed. And nobody wants to say that out loud. Matter of fact, most of the people in the church don't even believe you can be demon-possessed. And so we ignore what's right in front of us, and therefore we can't understand the result of it. So like when you go to deal with this stuff, like on the end where I was dealing with it, so you're dealing with it on whether you're talking about gay pride stuff they're doing, or you're talking about uh, the library and whatever. At that point, like, it's just like picking fruit. You go there and you pick the fruit off the tree and it's just going to pop right back. And, and so I think that we don't understand that the objective is not to pick the fruit, but the objective is to find and sever the root that's causing this and what you come down to, you know, Jesus, when he was talking to the Pharisees there and he, he said to them, you know, you they said, uh, he said, if you were of your father, Abraham, you would be trying to kill me right now. I've told you the truth and you want to kill me. He says, because you have your father, the devil. And he said that his native language is to lie and his native behavior is to murder. And he said, if you weren't of that father, you would listen to me because I come from the father. And so we have to understand that there's only two sources and two fruits that you have God as a source and Satan as a source. There is no middle ground. And we keep vying to trying to find this middle ground. And when you make a deal with the devil for middle ground, you lose. You've already lost. There's no, you, there is no upside. Uh, and God He'll just tell you there is no middle ground. You have to follow me with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And so we, we're so basted in this culture of ours, we call democracy, that you know we're not talking about a republic. We're talk, we keep talking about a democracy where you have mob rule or you know the, the whole concept of the majority opinions or whatever. And then we try to convince people that all this stuff is in the majority. But as I walk around, 
it's not the majority, but when we dealt with this whole deal with in the libraries, it was it was an uh, exercise in futility for most people. I learned a great deal from it. I learned that that's not the place you want to fight that battle. That we have to we have to under, do war on the floor to understand where we are to get an idea of what, where the root of this thing comes from. And that's what we have to deal with. And it's in a much different place than we're trying to deal with it. And so you'll ne- picking the fruit will never change this. That's what I'm trying to say. And that's why these concepts that we have of having a revival at our church is never going to, it's not going to change us at all. If there's not, the only thing, the only thing that's going to come right now, judgment will come. And people will, more people will probably turn away from God and judgment than to him because of the mindset that we have that, you know, that God has to make me happy and give me everything I want. And so we have a wrong mindset, even in the church, about who God is and what his objectives are. Therefore, when judgment comes, you see it in the book of Revelation, you know, they refuse to turn to God at all. They went out there when this judgment starts to happen. So when judgment begins in the house of God, which I think it has begun to see, and 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 we're we're ignoring that it's God's judgment. We're trying to call it something else, and therefore we cannot receive the rebuke from God that we need to have to actually change. So it's a it really is a whole. It, it, this is like some magical spell, and and so that's what and the Bible tells us when they call good evil and evil good. And these kind of things, what's going on right now, that we're in these times. And when I'm talking to other pastors and friends and whatever, nobody ever wants to to, to say out loud that this is all going to come to an end sometime. There is an end to God's patience with us. There is an end to God letting us, you know, do what we do all the time. And, you know, but we've been told this stuff for so long. We, we are like what Peter said. We no longer believe it. But as sure as there was a creation, as sure as there is a flood, there will be a return of Christ. And uh, if he returned today, I, I mean, I shared this last Sunday in the pulpit. I, I, you know, how would the church treat Christ if he came today? I don't think it would be very good. No, no, not when you have so much of the church that have, has bought right into the lies of syncretism brought right into the lies of the emergent church, brought right into the lies of the uh, the mainline churches under the NCC, uh, which again under the Federal Council of Churches, the Marxist uh, covering, brought right into the lies of, of, again, you get right into what they're trying to say today, Jesus is. And, um, you know, Jeremiah 7.16 says, therefore pray not, for this people, neither lift up cry or prayer for them, neither make intercession to me, for I will not hear thee. You, you can keep going. Jeremiah 11, 11 and 14. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they cry unto me, I will not hearken. Therefore, pray not for these this people, neither lift up a cry and pray for them, for I will not hear them in the time that they cry unto me for their trouble. There does come a point, like you said, now I've written a whole book on this, The Science of Judgment, but there comes a point of no return. The scriptures talk about the full cup of iniquity law, 
God's mercy and grace runs its duration, then God's anger and wrath boils over, and his judgment starts to fall. Judgment is first meant to lead to repentance, redemption. If the person is beyond redemption, God's judgment is finally for total destruction. God sends utter destruction upon people and nations when their wickedness takes them beyond redeeming love. There is a point of no return when the unpardonable sin has been committed. Even this is mercy and grace because if God did not utterly destroy the unrepentant, then extended mercy only allows evil violence needlessly to continue on the innocent. The principle is simple. God breaks his silence when a person, a city, or nation reaches a certain level of wickedness and he uses one or more of his divine judgments. If the situation is redeemable, his judgments are for redemptive purposes. If the situation is beyond redemption, repentance, then his judgments are utterly destructive. And in the book, I give countless examples. God does not give Abraham's descendants to a land until after the Amorites had failed to repent, taking advantage of God's mercy and compassion and grace. Therefore, God's judgment. God is the same for all people. Judgment comes after man continues in sin instead of repenting, thus filling the cup of iniquity and bringing on God's wrath. And we could go on and on and on how God used one nation and turned around and judged that nation that judged his people once their cup of iniquity became full. Don? Yeah, this, I mean, that's exactly And the thing that, when we go back to Israel is our example that we have to look at. And in Jeremiah 2, he says, as a nation, he told them, you go out and scour the earth. You go scour all, and he gives them all these Gentile nations. And he says, have any of them ever changed their God? And the answer is no. And he said, yet you have changed your God. You're divorcing me. And we, we, don't, we don't understand that we turn our back on God. We say he turned his back on us. And that's not true. He always he offers his grace, his, his mercy for repentance and, and that kind of a thing. But we go after God's end. A little later on in, in Jeremiah, he says, he compares them. He said, toward these other gods, he said, you're like a she-donkey in heat, sniffing at the wind. And he, and he says to, ma- to the male donkeys, you don't have to go look for it. She'll come and find you. Uh, you, you don't have to put out any effort at all whatsoever. And so what, like, what's interesting, in the last, in the last uh, year and a half, I read this, you know, we, we don't, in- I think we've misinterpreted a part of the Bible so we don't understand the, the pantheon a God order, the Trinity, even even what we call six six six, the mark of the beast, and whatever, uh, we you know we just failing to understand some things. Like, let me just share a couple of points here. Like, when you talk about the very first uh, God that Israel worshipped when they went in the Promised Land was Baal, and when you go look at Baal, Baal, he's the God. His what he promises you is fertility and prosperity. And prosperity, and he's a he's a bronze bull. That's what he's a picture of. In 1989, we put a bronze bull on Wall Street uh, in front of the our, our our markets of prosperity. And this has gone so deep even into the church, the gospel of prosperity and all this stuff like that. And this stuff doesn't come from God. We took God's word and turned it to another God. 
And so the people, even in the church, are just absolutely consumed with this whole concept of prosperity that's offered from this God. And this, this Baal's job, his number one job was called the separator. He would separate you from your God. That's what he, his job was. It's demonic. It's a demonic deception. And then once that whole thing goes into place, then, then the second one comes in is Estora, who she's the god, the god, the female. Well, she's a goddess of sex and war, and she's not male nor female. And in all these writings, it says she can turn any male to a female and any female to a male. And then you go into all this stuff about. I even had one of my pastor friends tell me about maybe twelve or fifteen years ago that the end revival would be women. We're going to be the leaders of everything, and men were going to take a back seat to it all. That's this. That's this. As Torah, she's the she's the patron saint of Jezebel. She's the enchantress, the great seducer, the sacred prostitute, the intoxicator. That's what she does. And then following her is Chemosh or or Molech, who's the destroyer, who where they offered their children the fire, the abominable sacrifices. And in you know this whole in the Valley of Hinnon, you know where Jesus. And when he went down by the Valley of Hinnon, that that's what he that was Jesus' definition of what hell was going to be like, where the worm dies not and all that. He was the one who talked about that more than anything. And then there's a transformation that happens where there's a metamorphosis of the role of women and the metamorphosis of the role of men to androgyny, where you're neither male nor female. And then you have all the whole. It just becomes this. And so that's all about so transgender and all that stuff is what this stuff's really all about. This we don't understand this transgender that just all of a sudden dropped on us out of nowhere is the completely it is the fruit of like a demonic well it becomes a demonic obsession that's going to become a demonic possession at some point uh, moving forward. And now we're into the courts and every, our whole country's turned towards this stuff. So it starts off. It started off with the whole concept of prosperity and then sexual freedom, you know, changing of relationships of men and women that God had established, destruction of the family, and then a complete transformation of what it means to be male or female. And, and when you look at that and you find ourselves right here where we are, but you, I mean, you look at somebody like that and you tell people that today, they'll look at you like you're out of your freaking mind. You're right. You're right, Don. You know, and how do we break this? You know, it's guys, we're gonna. It, it, this, this is this. I think it's much more entrenched, and we. And I don't know. The, the the reality is, is when God told Moses to pick up a serpent. When you pick up a serpent in the natural realm, you pick it up by its head. But when you take up a serpent in the spiritual realm, you take it up by its tail. Yes. And, yes. <laughs> so I mean, we we're. I just. I think that we have to really. We got to rethink this massively and, and get the, the the spirit of the Lord on how to deal with this whole thing. Because I will tell you this: when Jesus came to the earth, He drove this stuff to the edges of the earth. When he, with His disciples, when He put His power, the Holy Spirit on them, or whatever, and we do have the authority and the power to do that. Amen. They were in a seriously horrible place when it happened, but you have to get separated from it. Yeah, you can't do it by being a part of it. Yeah. And, and the church is full of this stuff. Well, you're exactly right. You know, Ezekiel 14, verse 13, 14, 16, 18, and 20. Son of man, when the land sins against me by trespassing grievously, then I'll stretch out my hand upon it. I'll break the staff of the bread thereof. 
I'll send famine among you. I'll cut off man and beast from it. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, if they should deliver their own souls by their own righteousness, saith the Lord. Though these three men were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughters, they only shall be delivered, but the land shall be desolate. Though these three men were in it, as I live, says the Lord God, they shall deliver neither sons nor daughters, but they only shall be delivered themselves. Though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they will deliver neither son nor daughter, they shall but deliver their own souls by their own righteousness. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Warning Radio Program. Special guest, Apostle Don Beasley. Turning Point City Church, Dixon, Illinois. There comes a point of no return. Some people think that a revival's coming, yet, as Don said, most of the church doesn't even understand the meaning of revival. They don't understand the times and seasons we're in. They don't understand what brings mercy and grace. They don't understand what brings judgment. Because we're in that type of situation where Jesus said, when I return, will I find faith? When Don joins me next week, we want to talk on a little bit on Joe Biden's speech, a call to war, a war, I believe, against the saints. God bless you. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.